Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. I, I want to ask a very simple question. How many of you have teenagers in your house right now? I don't mean like right this minute. If they're there and you're here, you probably ought to get up and go check on them. How many of you have teenagers in your house currently? Raise them high. Be proud. All right, if you see somebody with their hand raised, why don't you just lay a hand on them and pray for them right now? They need it. How about, how about 12 or under? You have children in your home that are 12 or under, okay? Very good. You can put your hands down. Let me just make sure. How many of you at one point in time in your life or another had parents? Okay, I just wanted everybody to feel included. I wanted to make sure nobody felt left out. Some of you would immediately feel left out when you know that I'm going to today begin a sermon series on family. We're going to talk about parenting. And some of you say, wait a minute, Pastor Scott, time out. I'm a third grader. I don't need to hear about parenting. Or some of you say, well, I'm a senior in high school, or I'm a single adult, or I'm a senior adult. I don't need to hear about parenting. I don't need to hear a message about uh, being a parent. I, I, that, those days have already passed, or those days are in the future, or that's just not part of my life. Well, here's what I want you to do this morning, and I sincerely mean this. As we start this series on family life, we're going to deal with far more than parenting. We're going to talk about what it means to follow God in singleness. We're going to talk about what it means to follow God as a spouse. We'll talk about parenting and grandparenting. We'll talk about being single again. We, we're going to kind of talk about the gamut of family life over the next several weeks. And as we do, here's what I'm going to ask every person here to do, regardless of your age, whether you're a second grader or a senior adult. Would you just right now, in your heart, pray this prayer? Lord, speak to me today. Pray, Lord, teach me something new today. I believe with all of my heart that God will answer that prayer when prayed sincerely. Do you? I believe God desires to draw near to us. We've studied that in the past, that God longs to draw near to us. In fact, He said, if you'll draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. So if this morning you prayed that prayer, then I'm asking God to speak to you very supernaturally, even in the midst of a series that might not have direct application for your life situation right now, right where you are. Today we kick off a faith a series with our Faith at Home Center called Faith Begins at Home. And I want to talk to you today about rebuilding some foundations for family life. I want us to think about marriage and parenting and all of those things. Why? Because the culture around us, listen, the culture around us is reshaping our homes. It's undermining our faith in many, many ways. And many of you probably have seen the statistics, but even on the lower end of things, even some of the lower estimates say that, uh, uh, tell us that children who grow up in Christian homes, that grow up in church, are leaving the Christian faith at alarming rates. They're leaving their faith. They're walking away. They graduate from high school or college, and they graduate from their faith, and they never return. It's happening in alarming rates. In fact, if you looked at the church growth rate over the course of time, 80% of all evangelical churches in America are plateaued or declining. 80%. That means we're not gaining ground. Some of the ones that are growing are growing by transfer growth. They're just picking up members from other churches. There's a crisis culturally in our world. 
You need to know this. You know it in your mind, but you need to hear this. The world in which we live is not neutral. The world in which we live is not neutral. It is antithetical to your faith. It stands against all that you would believe in as a Christian. The world is continually pushing and prodding and and poking and moving us away from the things that we would hold dear as evangelical Christians. Now, I'm not one to paint a doom and gloom picture. I believe with all of my heart we win. We have the power of the Spirit of God within us to overcome the world because Jesus overcame the world. And when it comes to the family, the reason that I start with a statement like that is this, that you and I can't live our lives in neutral. You cannot be passive as a parent or as a spouse or as a grandparent. You are going to have to engage in disciple-making in your own home. We have got to take back that lost ground, and the only way to do it is to be intentional. So all throughout this series, you're going to hear us talk about intentionality. That is why we have started the Faith at Home Center. That's why we present the resources that we're going to put in your hands. And some of you say, I have no desire or design to walk that way. I'm going to leave here my normal route, go to my car, go to lunch, go about my business. But I believe somebody here today will go by there and they will find uh, one of those pointer cards that is their life situation, their circumstance. And you're going to find resources that will help guide you on the path toward godliness. And you'll move out of neutral and shift into gear and you'll begin to see God do amazing things in your family. I believe that with all of my heart. I've prayed for it for some time, and I continue to pray for that, and our staff is praying for it. So we begin this series because we're not in a neutral world. Let me carry that a little forward. You know that I'm speaking truth. We're constantly battling lies. If you have kids in your home that are from birth to teenage years, they've not quite left the nest yet, you realize the kinds of lies you're battling. Our daughters are hearing all the time through media and messages. If you don't wear a certain size and dress a certain way and look a certain way, you have no value in this society. Kids will come home from school and they'll say these kinds of things. They'll say, I have to make a choice between religion and science. Because the world is telling them that they aren't compatible. And you and I know full well that all truth is revealed truth. That truth is God's truth. And that truth came from Him. And they are compatible. And science is simply catching up with what God has said all along. I believe with all of my heart it's critical for us to go back and to love God with our minds means that we think we don't check our brains at the door because somebody says that they have scientific evidence. No, evidence is just evidence. A pile of rocks is just a pile of rocks, and they can tell you that they thought that's been there for millions and billions and and billions of years. But I simply ask the question, were you there when it started? And if you weren't, I know somebody who says he was, and I'll take his word for it. Amen? And, And science, and that's not being in any way, shape, form, or fashion being, um, you know, casual or trivial or glib about it. It's not at all being small-minded or narrow-minded. I mean, the Bible said thousands of years ago that the Lord sits upon the circle of the earth, and yet there are still people today that believe the earth is flat. (laughs) There's a few of them left. They're around. The flat earth society still exists this very day. The reality is, though, just a few hundred years ago, sailors were fearful for their lives. If they sailed too far east or west, they'd fall off the edge. 
And yet the Bible says the Lord sits upon the circle of the earth. On and on you can find scientific evidence. There's more evidence for the existence of Jesus Christ than there is direct evidence for the existence of George Washington. But we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we have a risen Savior. And Jesus Christ, that risen Savior, gives you and I power to live out in our family lives the kind of faith that gives us uh, comfort for today, strength for tomorrow, and hope for eternity. So as I start into this series, I want you to know the world around you is pressing, but we can press back with and in the truth. So let's talk today for just a few minutes about intentional parenting. Instilling solid faith into our kids and our grandkids in the context of our homes. Look with me, if you will, to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. This was and is one of the most significant passages of Scripture for the nation of Israel. Devout Jews would quote it morning and evening. It would be the first thing off of their tongue in the morning. It would be the last breath of their day. It's called the Shema. That means hear. It's the very first word, hear, O Israel, the Shema. And they would say the Shema, and we are familiar with this because Jesus would later quote this when asked, what is the greatest of all the commandments? But let's look together, Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit at your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You will bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates." Let me give you the central truth of this passage, and I want you to write this down. There is only one God, and He is sovereign. You may want to write that down. There is only one God, and He is sovereign. There are many people who claim various gods, but we know that Jesus Christ is the only one who left a tomb empty. We can go to the tomb of Muhammad. We can go to the tomb of Buddha. We can go to the tombs of other religious leaders and figures throughout history. But Jesus Christ is alive. There is only one God. And the Jews would gather together and they would say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And they were saying in powerful declaration, God alone reigns sovereignly. And then he goes on and he tells us, you are to teach these things to your children. You are to be diligent to learn them. You bind them upon your hand and your forehead and write them on the doorpost of your house. What he was saying is, let it be an ever-present reminder to you that the Word of God must be central. Now, there is an implicit and an explicit understanding here. The implicit understanding is he's saying the things that I'm telling you right here, right now, Hang on to, write down, hold on to. The explicit meaning is the the bigger picture of all of God's law. He was just simply saying, the word of God better be important to you. Now, think with me about this for a moment. It's pretty powerful to consider what is being said here. What is our response to that? If there is one God and He is sovereign, what is the response? Straight out of this text, I want to give you three responses. Number one, you are to love God. 
You are to love God yourself. He said, verse 5, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. If God truly is the Lord, then He deserves every bit of worship that you can give Him. And if you truly love the Lord, then it will rearrange things about the way you do your life, the way you talk, the way you relate to other people, the way you conduct your business, the way that you act at home, the way that you act when you're alone, when God alone sees. If you truly believe that God is sovereign over all, He is the one true and living God, then your response is to love Him. Secondly, your response is to teach your children to love God. Look at verse eight, or verse 7. You shall teach them diligently to your children and talk of them when you sit in your house and walk by the way and when you lie down and rise. And we're going to talk a great deal this morning about teaching the truths of God's Word to your children, passing them along to other people. But thirdly, I want you to see this. The third response is that your love for God will rule your life. Your love for God will rule your life. He says you should bind them as a sign. Now, if you know anything about the Jewish practice, they would take small phylacteries, they would put scrolls of Scripture in them, and they would bind them around their foreheads and to their hands, and they would put them on the doorpost of their house. They would write those things or have scrolls there on their doorpost. The Word of God was to be so revered around them because they wanted that sovereign God to rule over every area of their lives. Oh, may it be said of our families, of our homes, right here in the Pine Belt, not just that we would carry the Word of God around on our head, but that we would treasure it in our hearts, that we would hold on to it in such a way that it would rule our lives. Now, this is where it begins to become applicable for us. What is God's design for passing along faith? God's design and desire is for one generation to pass along faith in Him to coming generations. And that happens best in the home. It happens best when moms and dads or grandparents decide they're going to develop faithful children. They're going to pour into their kids habits of faith. And and so we're going to look at how our Faith at Home Center can help you to do that and how we as a church can help you. But I'm asking you to continue to pray, Lord, teach me something because every person here, regardless of the season of your life, need to hear the importance of letting the sovereign one, the one true God, rule and reign in your heart as you love him and that you would teach others. Now let me give you a little bit of background about this text. God's people are about to enter the promised land. They are less than a month away from the death of Moses and Joshua taking over and becoming the leader. They're at a place where under Joshua's leadership they would enter into the promised land. They'd cross over the Jordan River. There are giants in the land. Anybody remember those stories? Nod your head if you're with me. All right. There are giants in the land. There are over 40 different tribes of people, groups gathered where God had promised them this land flowing with milk and honey, flowing with blessing. And the reality is that that land would be theirs because God had given it, and yet there's great anxiety among the people. And here Moses is giving a a second reading of the law, if you will, in Deuteronomy. And what is God's plan? Think with me for a moment. His people are about to invade this land with over 40 other groups of people. Great opposition. What is his agenda to prepare them? 
how are they to meet the culture around them? Do they, do they increase defense spending? Do they stockpile weapons? Do you tell them to roll over their 401k? Did they, they take out a savings account or a CD to prepare for possible depression? No. He says you keep diligently the law and the commandments of the Lord your God and teach them to your kids. Why? That it may be well with you, says verse 3, and that you may go in and possess the good land which the Lord has promised to you or swore to your forefathers, driving out your enemies. The promise is for the nation, and it's a conditional promise. But listen to this. It's predicated on parents teaching their kids the truth. You say, you mean to tell me that when God is placing His people in the midst of a difficult context, His remedy for them is to say, cling to my word and teach it to your kids. Yes. Now, in our day and age, where we are, if you and I aren't fortifying our families, if we're not strengthening our kids and our grandkids in godly living, we're just putting a different label on the same poison. You and I need to stand against this culture that's standing against us and instruct our family. You see, it doesn't matter what they're teaching in the schools. It doesn't matter what the biology teachers are teaching your kids about evolution. It doesn't matter what they're teaching in culture about all kinds of liberal social agendas. The reality is this. It doesn't matter how corrupt the government. It doesn't matter how corrupt the judges or the city or the city council. You instruct your family. That's God's plan. Now, here's part of the issue. We live in a service society. That means we outsource stuff, don't we? I pay somebody at times to put in flower beds. We outsource cutting grass. We outsource washing windows. We outsource laundry. And the reality is, sadly, many people have outsourced the spiritual formation of their kids to the church. Here's what they've done. They said, I'll bring my kids to church and Will McCall and the children's ministry will lead them to love Jesus. I'll bring my teenagers to church and Scott Pittman can lead them to know and love Jesus. That's not God's plan. God's plan is for Scott Pittman and Will McCall to help equip you as parents and grandparents to do the training at home, to minister to them. And the sad reality is this. Let's just suppose I had a flower in my hand. I would let... That flower represents my kids. And this represents the church. And the church has the gospel in it. So I'm going to bring my kids to the church and just let the church pour away. They're going to put the gospel in my kids. And it doesn't work. It's not growing. It's not taking root. It's not continuing on. It's not developing. I know what I'll do. Very simple plan. Very, very logical plan. I'll go to a bigger church. I'll go to a cooler church. They've got a, a cool youth minister at that church. They've got a basketball court at that church. They've got Nintendo at that church. They've got all kinds of ski trips at that church. They've got fun stuff for the kids at that church. And I'll go to that church and they'll pour the gospel in and my kid will grow. And the sad reality is what is missing is the soil of a context that God designed. God said, you plant your kid 
in the root of a home and you teach your children diligently the Word of God and the church may come alongside and help support, but you are the ones that are to raise your kids to love Jesus and we want to help you do that. That is our responsibility as a church. That is our responsibility. But I've watched kids who have grown up on the mission field and they didn't have all of the cool stuff. They didn't have the, the handsome youth minister. They grew up in villages and in huts and they grew to love Jesus because their parents understood their responsibility was to teach those kids the Word of God. And you and I have got to get to that place, folks. I'm trying to speak as clearly as I can about a God-given principle that you are the mechanism and the design for God's faith transference from one generation to the next. It happens at home. Now, just so I don't get stuck talking about parenting alone today, if you're married here today, your spouse ought to love Jesus more because they're married to you. You ought to build them up and encourage them in the faith. And, and on and on as we talk through this series, we'll talk about various other situations in life. We'll talk about singleness. We'll talk about grandparenting and being single again. But the reality of what we see here is a very clear picture that there are principles that you and I need to follow and we must fortify the family. Two very simple principles I want you to jot down. God's Word must be in our hearts. If we're going to be the people of God, then we have to know and love the Word of God. When we know and love the Word of God, we'll know the will of God, the ways of God. This understanding is so vital for us to pour ourselves into the Word. Now, I know that in our fast-paced society, that's not happening a lot. Lots of people close their Bible after they're done today and they're done for the week. It takes roughly 76 hours to read through the Bible start to finish. That means in a year's time, if you'd invest 12 and a half minutes a day, you could read through the, entire, the entirety of Scripture. When's the last time you just sat down and said, Lord, speak to me through your word? And my encouragement to you is that you would begin to see that as so valuable that you'd say, I can't go a day without spending time invested, reading the Word of God, hearing from the Lord, memorizing Scripture, meditating on it, feeding on it, and then passing it along to others. We desperately need it. Oh, we could so camp out on the Word of God and our need for the Word. We need examples from the Word. We need warnings from the Word. We need the guidance of God's Word, but it must be in our hearts. And secondly, I want you to see this. God's way must be in our homes. What is God's way? He said, very simply, teach your children. It's your job. Now, for time's sake, I'm going to move through a couple of these just very quickly. He gives us four basic time frames for when we should teach our children the Word of God. He says when you rise up and when you lie down, when you go out and when you come in. Now we can talk about these in all kinds of different ways. Passing down our faith in our homes is God's way. God would have you to use mealtime and bedtime and drive time as the times that you would share the gospel. Several years ago I met Kurt Bruner. Kurt worked for Focus on the Family. And he talked about family time with his kids. And he said, I just tried to always instill very simple thoughts in their kids. This one mesmerized me. He did it when his kids were four and five years old. He asked his kids about believing in God because we can't see God. Now, why can we not see God, Hardy Street? Because God is 
spirit. That's right, God is a spirit. And he asked his children, is there something else, anything in life that you believe in that you can't see? What's something that you can't see that you believe in? Air. Air, the wind. And he pulled out a balloon, and he blew it up. He said, do you believe in air? And they said, well, yeah. He said, well, can you see it? And they said, well, no. But you can see what it does, right? And God's the same way. Do you realize there are probably people in the sound of my voice this morning that are 60, 70, 80 years old that struggle with the idea of believing in a God that they can't see. But his four-year-old and his five-year-old never forgot this. He said, you realize that air has power? And they said, really, Daddy? And he said, yes. God, I almost got Ken Hopkins. I was close. I'll have to try it again. Here's what he said, though. He said, now... Some of you parents are already caught on to this. He said, after that, I had to blow up 475 more balloons. But he said, we ended with this little jingle. Just like air, God is always there. And he said, his kids who now have PhDs of their own, they've grown and they've got kids of their own, have, have said for years, just like air, God is always there. And they have a rock-solid assurance. And he said, that didn't take a great theological degree. That didn't take seminary training. I blew up a balloon and let it fly around the room. But you have to be intentional about taking opportunities. And when God said through Moses in Deuteronomy 6, teach your kids when you're rising up, he's saying, let the first voice of their day be you telling them that God is good. And let the last thing that they hear, use bedtime at the end of the day to help them in the quiet times. That's usually the times that we had a billion questions. Our girls would quieten down and we knew we were going to get seven glasses of water and we'd start threatening their lives and we would go through all of this process. But that's when they would start asking questions about God. Mom, Dad, do you think God likes this? Do you think God would do that? And in those times, we would take advantage of it and try to pour into them the, the, the Word of God. Now again, some of you say, I'm not in that season. You don't have to be. What I'm helping, hopefully, all of us to do is think we need to be intentional about taking God's Word seriously in our lives and passing it on to others. Maybe, just maybe, God's going to use this message to call somebody to help with Vacation Bible School. My desire is that when we're sitting at home, we would say, there's a grand opportunity. Well, what does that look like? In practical terms, family night. You're sitting at your house teaching the Word of God. Turn off the TV. Invest time just asking questions about Sunday school. Don't answer the phone. Put a meal in the middle of it. Just eat together. Don't eat in shifts. In our family lives today, we eat in shifts and we run from place to place and we need to enjoy one another as a gift from God. Maybe you sit down with your family and you play high-low. You just simply say, what was the high and the low of your day? Maybe some of you have done those kinds of things, but just very simply saying, we're going to invest time in those relationships because you as grandparents know all well and parents whose kids have grown, that time goes so fast. Some of you blinked and your children were up here getting graduation gifts. Am I right? It doesn't take long. Invest the Word of God in their lives. 
It says when you're sitting down, and then it says when you're walking along the way. Well, none of us walk anywhere anymore, so I think that would be in the minivan or the SUV. When you're driving, take advantage of it. You know, I, I look back, and I honestly, there are only three or four or five people in my life that I really never want to hear oops from. Think about it. Your barber, never want to hear oops. Your surgeon, probably not, don't want to hear oops. I think most of us, if we looked at the collective inside of our parenting, I'd look back and I'd say, oops. I missed hours upon hours driving down the interstate when I could have been talking to my kids. Could have been listening to an audio book. But we kind of segregate and you play with that device and you play with that device and you put those headphones on and watch that movie. And the reality is... God's Word speaks to our day today. It says when you're sitting down and when you're rising up, when you're going out on that walk, on that drive, when you're coming in. All of that said, God's Word needs to be in our hearts and God's way needs to be in our home. What are we teaching them? And I'm going to bring this to a, a pointed close, but I want you to see this. From this text, we teach them that there is a God. Secondly, we teach them there is only one God. Next, we teach them that that God is the Lord. And fourthly, we teach them this critical piece, that the Lord is to be our God. That we are to allow Him full reign, full supremacy over all areas of our lives, that we would submit ourselves to Him. And you train your 2-year-old that, and you train your 22-year-old that, and your 52-year-old, it doesn't matter. Pass along faith. Continue passing along faith. Teach them. Now, what is a faith at home center? We, we've mentioned this several times. Out in front of the library is very simply a place where we have resources. And those resources are all geared toward various stages of life. We want to encourage and challenge every person here on the way out the door, somewhere, one of the connect stations or back at the resource center, at the Faith at Home Center, pick up one of these little assessments. This assessment just simply asks, how intentional have I been over the last several months in my own faith or as a parent, a spouse, or a grandparent? That hits everybody. There's also uh, an assessment for kids. They can go by and pick that one up, and they can say, how intentional have I been? And then you will find a pointer card. Those cards just simply say, I, I am single, hope to marry, married, thinking about children, having children, on and on, all down the road, caring for aging loved ones. I mean, just the span of life. And then there are special circumstances. Maybe you're facing one. Maybe you're dealing with an addiction. Maybe you're dealing with a rebellious um, prodigal in your life. Maybe you're dealing with infertility. Maybe you're dealing with financial issues. All of those things are, are, are resources that we have put together for you. And this simply says, I want to put together a 120-day plan. For the next three months, I just want to begin looking at some of those resources. Some of them are books that you can check out in the library. Some of them are books that you can go and buy at Lifeway or websites that you may want to peruse. But every person here is in a different place, on a different step on their journey, but the journey's the same. The journey is that we would love God and we would teach others to love God and we would let our love for God rule and reign in our hearts. So find your circumstance and begin your plan on this faith path.
You see, this isn't just another program. It's not just something we dreamed up that would look good on the wall. Not something we could just put in the bulletin. Our sincere desire is that we would help every person here take one more step on their journey of following Jesus Christ. I came here 15 months ago or so, and God laid it on my heart that making disciples would be at the center of all that we do. Our, our mission statement there on your bulletin, we're a family of faith in the heart of Hattiesburg, making disciples among our neighbors, the nations, and the next generation. My desire is to help you to look more like Jesus wherever you are. And maybe you're struggling and you've gotten so derailed off of the path that you need help getting back on the path. Maybe you've never started the path and you need to be saved. We would love to share with you from God's Word how you can know Him, the one true living God. I'm thankful for a staff that believe in this process. I'm thankful that Scott Pittman put together a Faith at Home team and many others have been working diligently to put those resources out. It'll continue to grow. We'll have very focused times where we talk about meals at home or Easter at home is one that we've already done. Those kinds of things simply to help you get your hands around Deuteronomy chapter 6. You see, the, the people of Israel would rise up in the morning and say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your might. Teach these things diligently to your children as you sit down in your home, as you rise and walk along the way, as you are coming in, as you are going out, all of those places. Bind them on your hearts. Let the Word of God rule and reign. Oh, that we would be a church that the Word of God reigns supreme. Oh, that families in this place would be that kind of family. You realize statistics show that only about 10% of families have any spiritual conversation outside the context of the walls of their church. That means we close our Bibles and we walk out on our way and maybe we pray a prayer over our food and we never again talk with our children or our spouses or our grandchildren about what they learned in Sunday school, about what they heard in worship services, about what God is doing in their lives. And I'll come full circle and say, if you're not fortifying your family with the Word of God, you might as well just slap a different label on the same poison because we're sending a generation to hell. We can't do it. We can't do it. God is calling us to stand in the gap and to pass along faith, to rebuild the foundation on the Word of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for all that you have given to our church family in terms of a desire to follow your ways and to lead families in the, the path of following Jesus. May we be committed to that like never before. God, today, if there's someone who's never trusted you, I pray that they would experience new life, that today would be a day of homecoming for them, that they would be gloriously saved. God, move in all of our hearts. Help us to see that the time is drawing near that you're going to come back, and that we would occupy boldly with your word until you do. In Jesus' name, amen.